Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Tuesday, everybody. <laughs> I hope your, your Tuesday is going well. And if not, that's okay. You know, always got to normalize all different kinds of experiences. Not every day is going to be a, a gold star day or an A+. Plus. That's okay. Often, eh, these days we're having a lot of days that aren't feeling so great in any capacity. We, we got to hang in there. Question of the night is up on our Loveline IG page. As always in the stories, weigh in on that. Of course, we'll be sliding into those DMs. Going to be talking about all sorts of stuff. The flooding of celebrities, which surprises many to OnlyFans. And for some people, they're like, what is OnlyFans? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about queer dating apps for those that are not hetero-defined or cis. And um, also talking about why we need to start with sex ed younger. Yep. And I'm also going to riff on a uh, Demi Lovato situation. Oh, that's right. She's got a lot going on. It's interesting, though. She lives her life very mental health centered. So I like bringing her up as much as possible. Again, not to gossip. I'm not in a gossip. People's personal lives are none of our business. But I use them as springboards because a lot of different topics and important learning lessons and gems can kind of come out of it. So I want to start the show, though, by just asking y'all, how you doing? You know, I'm tired. I'm feeling fragile, as I've said. A little brain fog, you know, missing my socialization, missing the gym. You know, I love going and moving my body, throwing around heavy weights. It just feels good to me. I put on my music. I ignore the world. I don't make eye contact. I don't talk to anyone. I'm in my zone. It's one of the rare times that I just kind of get to be in a little bit of a cocoon and do my thing that when I'm reading. So I hope you're all taking time to do some of that. I love reading. And if you're not familiar with reading, a lot of people, it's something that's associated with school, right? Pressure. It's not fun. But reading as an adult can be. You get to choose what you want to read. Anything you've been wondering about, go get a book on it. Anything you've been curious about, you know, buy from independent sellers. We're not buying from Amazon. That man is not doing great things with his money. I, I have so many issues with Jeff Bezos, but there's small independent bookstores that are both happy, happy to stay in business and will ship you products. Also, some of them though are holding um, hours where you can get the bookstore to yourself and wander around on your own. That's right. It's happening a lot here in LA, a couple of them. So you still have access to them, wander, stumble upon something. I love reading. Reading is where I really get to spend time with the most radical thinkers that are influential on me. I, I have amazing friends, but um, my mentors are all dead or just accessible via books, and I'm happy to spend time with them. You know, as an author myself of two books, Sex Outside the Lines and Rebel Love, 
it's an interesting way to share a part of yourself with the world. You know, I do a lot of media and I do a clinical practice and that's a way that some people have access to me. But when you write a book, you're really forced to sit more with yourself and to go deeper into your thoughts and opinions and perspectives. And it's a beautiful thing. So give us, give reading another shot. It might be something you enjoy now where before you didn't again, because of pressure and expectations and also not getting to choose what it is you read, you know? Um, I tend to read a lot of nonfiction. Basically, that's all I read these days. But um, And when I do, yeah, I don't read fiction. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just not something I'm drawn towards. But there are amazing things, especially speculative fiction, um, Afrofuturistic, all sorts of stuff that just speaks, uses sci-fi or fantasy or fiction as a way to kind of inspire and talk about the way the world could be or should be and push us towards what we can create. It's stunning, stunning stuff. Um, Getting more into film as well. I know we're all watching a lot of films, but I, I tend to skew in that way more towards the horror genre, which, eh, you know, that stuff is a little hit or miss these days. Um, although I did see a new one that was really basic, and I loved that, where it didn't need a lot, and yet it was cohesive, it made sense, it was scary. It's called Alone, and you can rent that right now. That's not free on any of the streaming services. Um, gotta be thoughtful about how much money you're spending on those rentals. Oof. I personally don't really watch films again, so it's a one-off. So that's why I do the rental, not the purchase. But um, holiday season in terms of Halloween is coming, which means we're going to have some good scary movie re-releases and new films coming out. So super, 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 super stoked for that. Such a fun time. And I know it's going to be different this year. So start, start, you know, start getting prepared for that. We still can celebrate just in safer ways. You can still dress up at home, especially if you're cohabitating with people. You can maybe still go out separated with a mask, sit with some friends, um, you can still play the movies, play the music, eat the food, you know, we can still participate. It's going to be different. And it's also what we're going to be talking about for those that are, you know, that celebrate things like Christmas. It's maybe going to look different this year. You're not going to be with your family or friends. You're not going to travel, but that's okay. We're going to, we're going to make other plans and, and we're going to create a new meaning and value of that time. It doesn't have to be isolative or lonely. And some people, those are just things that they don't necessarily normally celebrate anyway. And so it's just a normal day for them. So we'll see how it goes. We'll talk more. We'll have some tips and perspectives, maybe some ideas of things to do. Got your back. Uh, question of the night, as I said, is up on our Loveland IG page. That's in the stories. So still some time to weigh in on that. And also the DMs are always open. We're here for you. Whatever your thoughts and questions and comments are, weigh in on that. And uh, also just want to make sure I don't forget to remind you all to register to vote. If you haven't done, do so. Check in on those around you. Make sure that they've done it. Send them the link. Just text it to them or email it. It takes minutes. And like I was saying last night's show, make sure you're, you're registered. I thought I was, and I had been, and it turns out that I wasn't coming up on the database when I went to search. So I had to re-register and I'm waiting on my mail-in ballot. Where is that? Um, that there's so much anxiety. I can't wait to get that and uh, get that in, but check in on those around you. And uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about some news. Got to give you guys a little news. Let you know what's going on in the world, right? Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, let's get into some news. Never dull. I, I think we talked about this. This is amazing to me, but if not, I'm bringing it up again. Qantas Airlines. So they're right now booking a seven-hour flight, and it goes nowhere, right? And uh, sold out in 10 minutes. It goes nowhere. It lifts, travels for seven hours, and comes back. Look, I do not like flying. It is claustrophobic. It is not fun. It does not often feel safe, especially right now. Don't get this one. But basically, Australian airline Qantas is advertising its flight to nowhere. It's a seven-hour scenic flight. Scenic? Like, really? 
uh, that will take travelers to the most famous Australian landmarks like the Sydney Harbor. Love that. Great Barrier Reef. Awesome. It's also going to ask travelers to enter the airport, go through TSA, check in, and uh, sold out in less than 10 minutes. Whoa. There's only 134 spaces uh, above the plane. And they got a ticket that would go from Sydney on the 10th of October, seven hours later. Um, tickets were 556 bucks for economy and 2734 for first class. Yo, what? People are paying almost $3,000 because they miss flying. You're going to have to walk me through that one. You're literally going to have to walk me through that one because I feel like I could do something better with that money in seven hours of my time. God bless it. Uh, COVID-19 can, as we said yesterday, spread through the air according to the CDC. This is where we're going back and forth. So they're updating their guidelines, and now they're saying it can go six feet. This is from the New York Post. Before, they were kind of denying that. Now they're updating it, saying it is possible. They're using the word possible. It's not possible. We know that it does. Uh, Other news, more than half of states are reporting new corona cases. Sit with that. Okay? More than half new cases. It's still there. It's still going. People still dying, right? The U.S. is nearing the milestone of 200,000 deaths. I don't care what how you make sense of that. That's too many. It doesn't matter in comparison to other things. That's still too many. Uh, more than half of the states are reporting a rise in cases. The states reporting the biggest rise over the last seven days are Wisconsin, Idaho, South Dakota, Iowa, and Kansas. All are above a 15% positivity rate. Maine, Vermont, uh, Massachusetts, and New York continue to have positivity rates below 1%. Uh, Chicago restaurants are going to use old train cars and portable greenhouses for winter months. You know, again, this is people trying to figure out what to do because indoor banning, I'm sorry, indoor dining has been banned and that's still going on in Chicago. So they're getting creative about how they're going to provide outdoor seating during the pandemic, right? So some possible solutions are using portable greenhouses where the restaurant can produce, I'm sorry, was able to place greenhouses in front or behind the restaurant and it would come with their own heating and ventilating systems. And other cities are using old train cars that are no longer in use, making them into in outdoor dining facilities. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of work, but I get that, you know, you got to do what you got to do in these times. Uh, And then finally, people working from home still feel guilty about taking a lunch break. This is how the New York City, this is the New York Post. Oh my God, y'all, it's okay. We work very hard. We're allowed to rest. We're allowed to have joy and pleasure. It hurts, hurts my heart that people think that their worth is tied to how productive they are. That even in a pandemic, they're not dropping the bar down. We said this, 60% is enough, guys. Don't push yourselves. Don't have the same expectation on yourselves. I want companies to understand that we can't have the same output. Oh my God, saying the same thing with schools. A student cannot sit in front of a screen, not moving in that little chair, looking straight ahead for the same length of time they would go to school normally because in a normal classroom environment, we can move around, we get up and down. We don't have to just sit staring straight ahead to be in someone's line of vision. We can move around our seats, we can go to different sections in the classroom. But right now we can't do that. And so students are being expected to be in front of that camera and not moving for a long period of time. That is a small geographic area. It is not the same. It's not just like being in the classroom. It's not, especially for the teachers. My heart hurts. I've seen some of the TikToks of these teachers, what they're trying to do to keep students' attention. It is a very different thing. I'm noticing that as a therapist doing telemedicine. It is very different where I could sit in my office, move around, look around. I can look away and they can still see me here on Skype or Zoom. You look away. It looks like you're distracted by something. It's a very, very strange dynamic. We are not used to having that kind of maintained eye contact for that length of time. Think about it. In normal life, in therapy, in the classroom, 
classroom in a meeting, we can look away. On Skype or Zoom, it's more of an expectation to have directed attention looking forward ahead. That is not necessarily what's comfortable or familiar to us. So that's what I'm saying. Drop the bar, let yourself take a break, but people working from home feeling guilty about taking a lunch break, and this is based on a survey, 29% of people working from home admitted to not taking any meal breaks during the workday. 60% of them said they felt guilty when they took a break. 65% said they feel more exhausted working from home. Yes, I'm totally with you on that. I feel more exhausted working from home. It's not the same, it's, it's quite different, and so, Remember, you are allowed to take a break. In fact, you have to take a break. You need to take a break. That's part of mental health. I'm telling everyone every single day to focus more on rest, focus more on joy and pleasure, and focus more on things that are self-care specific. And that means sleeping in, taking naps, right? Working 60%. I don't know, man. We got we to gotta be better about that. People's mental and physical health have to come before profit and productivity. So we're going to keep talking about that. Um, man. That, those kinds of studies remind me of how much work we have to do. You know, It's interesting how we will internalize, right? Even while in different environments, even while environments where we have more control over our lives and less um, supervision, how we'll still act from those internalized expectations as though we're still being monitored and watched. And I understand that in some cases people are. And so for some individuals, that's a real thing. God bless it. All right, y'all. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about sex education and the purity pledge and why none of that works and why, you know, real education, which, which the word means is to give people skills and information, right? Not withhold and protect. Uh, we're going to talk about that question tonight is up on our Love and IG page. Time to wait on that. Also slide into those DMs, drop your questions. Uh, and later we're going to be talking about things like dating apps. Yep. What are the ones that we should use though if we are of the queer kind? Because a lot of them are very heterocentric and um, you know, special apps for special people. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Love Line AG page in the stories, so check that out. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about sex education. It comes up every now and then. Uh, I was looking at an interesting article, and I was thinking that there's some things I wanted to kind of unpack around that. You know, the funny thing is we, we really do believe that the more information we give someone that we're arming them and maybe motivating or permission giving. Well, first off, there's no reason to feel bad about giving permission for sex. Sex is a healthy, necessary thing. There are sexual developmental milestones that people need to go through. And so sexuality is an expected stage of development. It's not something to be afraid of or to withhold. It's something we just need to talk to people about so they're prepared for it. And they can go through it in a way that leaves them feeling good, positive, whole, confident, right? We think somehow magically that we're not going to talk about it. We're going to withhold information. But then when they come, when comes the time in their adolescence or adulthood to be sexual, that they're just going to know and get it because it's just natural. No, it's not. Oh my God. When we have it, how we have it, where we do it, how we feel about it. That's all socialization. That's all psychological. We bring that in based on the messages around us and the messages other people give us. It is not just a clean, clear, natural thing with no norms, value, shame, stigma. Are you kidding me? We live in a very sexually phobic, sexually, sexually anxious culture. We pathologize creative, diverse forms of sex by calling them a sex addict. We slut shame if people are having more sex than we're comfortable hearing about. None of that's okay. And education means we give people information and we let them do what they do with it. Look, telling people to not text while they drive isn't giving them permission to text while they drive. We wear helmets and seatbelts. That's not giving them permission to drive fast or recklessly. It's to be protective. So to talk about sex and what it means and how to take care of yourself psychologically, socially, and physically, that is arming someone and empowering them. When we look at the purity pledges, right, which is people that 
you know, say they're going to wait to have sex till marriage, or we look at abstinence only education, which only talks about how to delay or prevent sex, um, or only looks at STIs and STDs and doesn't talk about pleasure and all these other things. We know that those students still have those adolescents and students still have sex. They just delay it more than the normal population. But the problem is when they finally have it, there's more trauma, there's more violence, there's more teen pregnancy, and there's more uh, STIs and STDs because they don't know how to ask for protection. They don't know protection exists. They don't know how to use it. They don't know how to access it. They don't know how to communicate sexually. They don't know how to set boundaries. They don't know how to advocate for themselves. They don't know what they enjoy and don't enjoy. It's a mess. It literally would be like, we're not going to talk about, you know, how to drive a car, give kids lessons, talk about safe driving, and just expect that when they're 16, which is the legal driving age of my state, that they're going to know how to get behind the wheel and operate it appropriately. Uh, no, they get in accidents and a lot of bad things would happen. So on the front end, you train them, you teach them, you talk about safety, and you let them live their lives. Sex is the same way. And other countries are better about it. They don't try to protect them from it. They say it's happening. It's going to happen. It's a good thing. Here's how you enjoy it. Here's how you come out of it feeling good about it. Because the research shows coming out of your first sexual experiences feeling good make you a sexually empowered adult. It prevents you from having sexual violence and traumas. You set boundaries. You take care of yourself. You speak up. You understand communication. You understand consent. That's a good thing. It lowers rates of teen pregnancy. It lowers rates of STDs and STIs because these people are armed. They're prepared. That's what it's about, right? Not leaving people unaware. Now, the other thing is a lot of these programs are very heterocentric. They, they assume that everyone's straight. And that's unfair as well. And that's not arming people that engage in forms of same-sex sexuality to understand how that looks. So yes, you can't just assume all sex is vaginal. Some of it's anal for straight individuals and gay or queer individuals. So you have to talk about safer practices for anal and vaginal. You have to talk about how both have the capacity to create pleasure right? You have to talk about all safer sex practices, including PrEP, which is a daily pill you can take, or you can take it on demand before a sexual experiences. We've talked about that. We'll talk more about that. And you really give them the full range of education that sex isn't bad. Sex is pleasurable. You talk about consent and you also talk about things like safer ways to sext, right? Like that's in a, that's a really important thing. And I'm going to talk about that in a show later this week about ethical etiquette around sexting and sharing of nude photos. Because again, that is something that's going to happen. That's part of courtship in our current culture. So whether you like it or not, it doesn't matter. It's happening and it's going to happen for most. That's a norm. And so prepare them and arm them with the awareness as to how to do it safer or better in a way that feels good to them. Protect them from the trauma. But the work isn't when something makes you uncomfortable to try to deny it or remove it. We have to learn how to encounter it, how to participate, how to work with it, how to live in the world arm our children to learn how to live in the world. We live in a very sexualized culture, but we're very confused and anxious about it, right? And it doesn't have to harm. It doesn't have to be bad. And that's a lot of the work I do as a sex therapist or when I do just couples and marital therapy or when I'm practicing as a general psychologist. I'm helping people really work through all of that because it shows up in areas that are non-sexual. And that's why I think sexuality is the most powerful entry point for us to really do all of our work. Our body steam's in there, our self-esteem's in there, our trauma's in there, our communication skills are in there, our boundaries or lack thereof are in there, how confident we feel out in the world, how attractive we feel, how dateable, how empowered, our race is in there, our gender expression's in there, our body shape and size is in there. It's all in there. It's the only topic that has all of that, right? It's a beautiful entry point. All right, y'all, coming up next, I'm going to be sliding into those DMs. So uh, drop me a line if you got a question, thought, or comment. And that's in the, uh, what is it, our Loveline IG page. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. 
All right, y'all, we're back. Now it's time to slide on into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. <laughs> Man, I could say that bad boy in my sleep. I bet a lot of you could say that for me. <laughs> I saw someone at an event a couple months ago before pandemic and they literally said that to me they're like slide into the dms i was like oh man i hope that's not what i'm famous for okay here we go dms sorry i digress uh hey dr chris is it honestly irrational to think about leaving the u.s if trump gets elected am i letting my anxiety take over or is this actually something i should listen to my gut about and start looking to move um it's rational <laughs> i'm sorry i hate saying that it's very rational look trump is a fascist and he's an authoritarian kind of dictator. He is not compassionate, does not care about the wealth, happiness, or health of those that he's supposed to be caretaking. He cares only about finances. Um, he's a bigot, he's a racist, he's a homophobe, he's a sexist. He puts profit and money before individuals and their safety. He doesn't listen to science. Um, he mocks uh, disabled people. I, yeah, he's a sociopath, truly. A lot of people don't agree that he is. He meets the criteria. He has mental illness as well. Sociopathy is mentally ill. Yes, mental illness means not caring about the rights or welfare of others. And uh, it makes sense to not want to be a part of that. I was saying I'm embarrassed to be an American, absolutely embarrassed. There's nothing happening here that I'm proud of. I am proud of the Black Lives Matters movement. I'm proud of the white people that are supporting that. I'm proud of us trying to work on females, right? I mean, I'm proud of a lot of things that we're trying to do, but as a whole for the country, the fact that most people, enough people voted for Trump and will, I'm disgusted. I want to go. I'm looking into leaving. I'm looking at how I transfer my license. I'm looking at how I can move up and be with my partner in Canada. I don't want to be here, you know, but I love my clients. I'll be able to work with them online. I love my media career. I wonder if I could do some of it from up there. And if not, my welfare, my mental health means more. So it's a consideration I'm having. It'll probably mean more to me once the election happens. If Biden and Kamala Harris are elected, I'll be content staying and trying to push them to make the needed changes. But if Trump's back in office, I'm not sure I'm willing to be a part of that four-year process again or whatever else he tries to do. So I'm considering it. And I'm a healthy individual because my health and my happiness matters. And I don't want to deal with this crap. It's disgusting. Now, I also do hold space that if all the, you know, people that care leave, well, then that really doesn't help those that need our help. You know, that's kind of what's happened. A lot of the Republican states, you know, people that were of any kind of exploited or marginalized identity, they left to go to larger cities. You know, the larger cities have... Um, more well, you know, better respected universities and educational spaces. There are higher concentrations of diversity and creativity, and that's why they're Democrats. It's not surprising that the Republican states are, you know, more problematic in a lot of ways. And so, but what, what happens is when the people that would fight the good fight leave those red states, the people that can't leave are at the further mercy of the local government and the norms and values. And so if some of the, you know, queers and feminists and you know people that are doing the anti-racism work are willing to stay in those red states that's where some of us are needed so i do appreciate the idea that if all of us good ones leave the country it's screwed and i care about those that are left behind that would be the reason why i'd stay for those that would be left behind that need my help right um it's easy for me for my position of privilege as a white cis um you know upper class person to just take all my stuff and go but that's not helping create the change. And my mission as an activist first is to try to be a part of that. So there's that tension in sitting with both. I don't know if that's there for you, but it's absolutely rational to want to leave um, a dictatorship. That's why people sneak out of places like, you know, North Korea, right? They're like, I don't want to be part of that. 
fascism, fascist state. I'm okay with the move towards socialism. Socialism. I'm okay with the move towards you know uh, universal health care. I'm an anarchist. I'm not a liberal. I'm an anarchist. I'm a radical. I'm all about creating true change, right? Liberalism is often about leaving a lot of the structures in place and just changing them. Like put more females in positions of power. No, we need to get rid of the corporate uh, capitalist structure and adding you know, more diversity allows those structures to maintain. What we need to do is create change from the bottom up. And that's why people are saying abolish the you know, prison system, defund the police. Let's actually create a truly supportive, sustainable culture. So great question. I'm with you on that. More to come. Sign the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to support with confidence. Coming up next, we're going to talk about using your erotic capital, which means your sexuality as a way to create employment and career and finances. And uh, breaking on that down, listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all. We're going to have a talk. We're going to have a talk. Dr. Dad's going to have a sex talk with y'all. So part of my work as a, you know, human civil rights activist is normalizing and giving everyone, uh, you know, the right to life, letting everyone know that they have worth and value. Part of that is always looking at sexual health. We can't talk about mental health or public health without looking at sexual health, gender health, all those things. Um, we really, again, we, we don't want to valorize or normalize or you know, put respect behind people that use their eroticism for their work. We use our bodies for all kinds of careers. Um, if you're a dancer, you are ripping and destroying your body and, and putting it in definite challenges for other people's entertainment. And I know that there's more to it than that. I'm just focusing on how we use our bodies to our own detriment at times in service of our career. I know that dancing is an art form. I know that it's healing. I value that. I appreciate that. But I'm leaning on this one component, so bear with me. I also realize that people use their bodies to clean hotel rooms and homes. People use their bodies working warehouses to lift things. I use my body in therapy, my nervous system, and my psyche to help heal. But please don't think that that doesn't do damage, that I don't have a lot of trauma and other people's material blowing through my nervous system and impacting my own psyche. All of our jobs require a body in ways that we might not want to utilize it or ways that we do, but it's still some, somewhat of a negative or detrimental impact. Um, you're allowed to use your your sexuality, your sexual body for employment. That's no different. And people will say, well, I can't believe you're using your body sexually for employment. I can't believe you're lifting heavy, dangerous things or operating machinery or going on dangerous fishing ships. Like, you know, that fishing industry, those, those shows about the deep fishing, that's one of the most dangerous jobs. I can't believe they're doing that. You know what I mean? Like, so... Sex work, right, using our bodies sexually is no less valuable than when we use our intelligence or our athleticism or our strength, whatever it is. You're allowed to also use your eroticism. It's called erotic capital. You're allowed to use it. You're allowed to build your career on eroticism as a model, as a sex worker. And that's what's coming up with this OnlyFans platform, which I'm all about. It's for people to create their own adult films and use their eroticism as a way to make money. They don't need to do a studio. They do from home on their own. They, they film it. They post it. They edit it. They make the money. Bam, in control. It is choice. I love that. More and more celebrities. We're talking about Bella Thorne. Create a big controversy making almost $2 million right off the bat with her OnlyFans page. And the OnlyFans is the hosting platform for these individual videos. Um, More celebrities are coming out. Chad Johnson from Bachelor has an OnlyFans where he is showing full nudity and sexuality. Dude from Big Brother's doing it. There are RuPaul's Drag Race uh, contestants and winners that are doing it. I get it. 
people are trying to do what they can. People want to work at their leisure in ways they want from the comfort of their home and they're making bank. What a great thing. There's no reason to to say that that's of less value. There's also a guy named Noah. He was on one of these reality shows, Love Island or one of those things. They're all the same to me. I don't watch them. And he got, they think he got booted off because it was, came out that he had made some adult films, gay ones. He's hetero identified, had made some gay adult films and he's being punished for it. Why? Why? Why does that matter? Why does that change what kind of person he is or what kind of relationship he can be in? That's so disheartening to me that there's such a stigma attached to using your body or sexuality for work presently or historically that they want to fire you. I talked about how there was a female doctor who got shamed and in trouble at the hospital because on her IG, there were pictures of her in a bikini. Why are there certain careers or certain individuals that we think are no longer allowed to be full total people? They do that with therapists. Therapists shouldn't be allowed to be on dating apps. Yeah, they can. Therapists are allowed to date. Therapists are allowed to be on Grindr. Therapists are allowed to be on dating apps. Therapists are allowed to post thirsty pics if they want. I hope they're thinking in a body positive perspective and not just using their same exclusionary privileges to lead from their posts and to get the likes, but we are allowed to use whatever assets and uh, capital that's meaningful to us. And so I'm all about this. It's going to start to, it's a counterbalance. It's going to start to normalize. More and more people are going to use their eroticism, their sexuality to lead their careers, to build their careers. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I want to normalize that. I want people to have access to whatever they want to have access to. We got to get away from thinking that there's certain standards someone has to meet for us to think that they have any worth on this planet, right? Inherently, people do. And again, the work is always about recognizing what the identities are that you refuse to give value and rights to. Do some work, read about it, research it, spend time with them, but work on that. If there's a kind of person, do it again, their gender expression, their sexuality, their job, their body shape or size, their race, that you want to determine that they don't have any worth or value, work on that. We need to get better, even on the dating apps, excluding certain total types of people without even meeting them or seeing them and just deciding right off the bat that we don't have an interest in them. That's, that's racism. That's body shaming. You know what I mean? Challenge yourself. Be more available. Be better than that, right? Like that's the work we got to do. We got to work on being better, more inclusive, right? More accepting of people, more accepting of differences, more tolerance. Just because it's not right for you or makes you anxious doesn't mean it's bad or wrong. Sit with that. It's not right for you. You might not like the idea of it. Doesn't mean it's bad or wrong. These people aren't always exploited, right? Sit with that. There's a lot of people that are thriving and enjoying some of these differences. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about dating apps for queer people. Why? Well, because queer people exist, gay people exist, and there are certain apps that need to cater to certain populations. I'm all about it. We'll be back in two minutes. Two-minute promise. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're going to be talking about dating apps, especially ones targeted for gay and queer individuals. You know, everyone has a right to want sexuality and relationality in their lives. And there was a time I saw an old episode of a sitcom. Thank you, Hulu. Way, way, way back from, I think it was like the late 80s. And uh, they had embarrassment from meeting someone in the personals. And I was like, oh my God, people right now, the number one way people are meeting for sex or dating or romance and relationships is online dating. It's normal. It's normalized. I'm all about it. Some people still shame about it. I don't know why. I've met all my biggest relationships that way, the relationship I'm in now. Healthy, long-standing, met online. I'm all about it. I don't go to bars. I hate that stuff, you know? And not everyone has the confidence. And that's what I love about dating apps, right? You can be dating while not even logged on because your profile exists. You can extend well outside your local town or neighborhood where prior to these apps, we only had access to who we had access to. If you couldn't bump into them, you couldn't meet them. 
you know? We used to have to meet people through friends introducing us. Ah. So you can literally sit on your couch and be dating, waiting in line at the coffee shop and be dating. And you have more, you have more options. It can be overwhelming, but you have more options. You can find more truth, more of what you're looking for. I love that. And you can expand far, far out. Maybe you want to move. You can start looking in the city you're looking to move to. And people build all sorts of relationships online. People build friendships, sex partners, sexting only partners, a little romance, a little fun, um, and full on long-term loving committed relationships. I've been in multiple ones having met online. Also, I'm always reminding people, if you want to be in a relationship, you have to explore all levels of compatibility and chemistry, the, the social, the sexual, and the psychological. So you can start with the psychological and social by meeting for coffee. You can start with the sexual, and if that's there, then go for coffee and figure out the others. You can choose whichever one you start with, but we got to explore them all. They're all important. And neither one says I'm not serious. All of them say I'm serious. Having sex first is someone saying I'm serious about a relationship with this person. So I want to explore the sexual, the physical, the affectional. And if that's there, great. Then I'll feel more comfortable going to coffee and learning about the social and the psychological. That doesn't mean they're not open to relationship. And that's why I say to people that are truly wanting it and wanting it badly, be open to all the different ways we can relate to people. Some flirting, some sex, some dating. One thing doesn't mean the other thing isn't available. People might enter looking for only one thing or available for one thing, but as they're interested grows or they find more chemistry compatibility with you, they'll be willing to be in more options. I share this all the time. My One of my most serious loving relationships was someone we met for sex only. We really hit it off. We hung out for hours after that, slept over, started dating, and we're in a long-term multi-year loving relationship. We explored sex first. I wasn't looking for anything, neither were they, but through the sex we realized there's something here and we made ourselves open and ready. So be willing by exploring all different options. Don't just write it off from the door saying, well, I'm only looking for this and this is how it has to go and this is what I'm most comfortable with. Be a little more open, right? Because there's so many different ways that these things can happen. A lot of the work is about just letting go, but not all apps are safe for everyone. And that's why there's specific ones. There's specific ones for people that are trying to date with STDs and STIs because they're tired of the stigma and the shaming. There's certain ones that are geared towards people that are already in a primary relationship but want something non-monogamous or something poly. I love that that's there for them. Now, these can also that all can be done also on OkCupid and Tinder and all the other ones, but sometimes it's a little harder. I was just told recently, OkCupid does have a space now for recognition that you're only looking for something non-monogamous because you already have a partner or that's your dating and relational style but places like Tinder don't necessarily, and there's a lot of shaming on there. Now, people that are gay or queer, they also want their own apps. Now, the main ones do have accessibility in those ways. So again, you can go on Tinder, you can go on Bumble, you can go on OkCupid, and they do allow different gender designations, different um, uh, sexual relational styles at times. You gotta kind of do some of the exploring and the work in that way. But there's a new one called Her, H-E-R, love that. And uh, got a lot of talk when it first came out. It's exclusively for queer women created by queer women. I love that. So you're not going to have any of this heterocentricity, the toxic monogamy. Um, that's beautiful. There's another one called LGBT cutie. So it's LGBT Q. U-T-I-E. The QD instead of a C is the Q from LGBTQ. And that was uh, created because the co-founders saw that the dating apps were really, really geared towards heterosexual relationships. And they were like, we'll just plug in a gay, or a gay option. But there's a distinction. And they wanted it to be more inclusive. And so this app focuses on gay and lesbian women. Um, and they also hold space for you know friendship and things like that, which is great. There's also one, I love this, not familiar with this one, called Glimmer. And that comes with a promise of going beyond looks. And that's about connecting based on shared interest and lifestyle. And that would also be great for maybe someone who skews less sexual. 
uh, someone who's more asexual. People on the asexual spectrum want romance. They often want affection, sometimes sex. Um, but they're not necessarily going to be looking to be led maybe by the sexual desire like the other pages are. I'm okay with people leading by, by attraction because you do want attraction. That's an important part of that chemistry. But for those, again, that are not sexual or less sexual on the asexual spectrum, something like Glimmer would be awesome for them, right? Um, and beca again, because it also is about shared interest and lifestyle, that helps with people that have different abilities, people that are disabled, right? Because it's not focused so much on physicality, physical ability, or the importance of body type or body movement movements or body abilities. And so it's not going to alienate people that are disabled and have disabled bodies. There's also this one I've not heard of. It's called thrust. <laughs> one of a kind they claim, and it's for LGBTQIA only. So it's got, you know, it's for trans, non-binary people of color and the founder created it, created it because people of color in the LGBTQIA community lacked safe online and dating spaces. And that's what this is really born out of, not trying to discriminate. It's, it's the fact that there's been discrimination and these marginalized, exploited people needed safe, more inclusive spaces for body, gender, sexuality, and also race. It's unfortunate, right? The fact that these need to exist is a sign that the more prominent majority-based apps aren't really inclusive enough and they, these need to be created, but I'm glad they're there. So do the work, Google around. There's probably way more than that. New ones always popping up. They have worth and value. Even in COVID, you can still sit on your couch and build a beautiful relationship. And it might enhance what's going on right now, kind of shave down some of the rough edges. So think about it. Coming up next is question of the night. So still some time to weigh in on that on our Loveline IG page and the stories. You're listening with to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. And we'll be back in two minutes. That's a two minute promise. All right, we're back. It's time for question of the night. Tonight's question was, what is something that 2020 has taught you so far? Oh, it's a good one. It's taught me a lot. <laughs> it's taught me we've got a lot of work to do. We've got to work on having more care and compassion for all those around us, including the mask wearing that, yes, every decision you make impacts others and that matters. And if you don't want to wear a mask, wear for other people. Uh, taught me that we need to be more inclusive. Uh, we're getting better. That's awesome. We are creating a lot of political changes. I hope more of that to come. It also created some anxiety as I am learning some of my edges and I'm seeing where I have some work to do, right? Uh, it's also helping me be softer and kinder with myself. Uh, I'm not pushing myself. I'm saying I'm going to be more loving. I'm not going to push myself or burn myself out. I'm going to drop the bars I keep saying to do. Drop the bar on yourself and those around you. 60% is good enough. I'm not trying to use all my time to create and develop amazing things. I'm taking a lot of full total days. Turn off my phone, putting it away, resting, napping, you know, some plant medicine, eating foods that make me happy, um, solo sexed, uh, long distance sex, all sorts of things, you know? And so there's a lot that can come out of this. I was also sharing how some people are finding really interesting hobbies or forms of self-care that before they weren't into or didn't realize that an interest in. And um, it's really awesome. I think that's really, really, really cool. So question of the night is, what is something that 2020 has taught you so far? First person said, the civil rights movement of our time is about to happen and you need to support black people. Extra, abolish racist systems, 100%. I'm really worried. Trump is going to do his best if he gets reelected to push back on all that. But the movement is strong. The movement is powerful. I'm glad to see sustainability it dropped off a little bit, but we're still in it. We still need to be in it. We still need to be reminded. Um, and I love that. And 2020 has definitely brought us one of the most powerful moments of social justice. Uh, again, 2020, what's it taught you? It's a question of the night. Someone said, make the best of the time you have with friends. Oh man, ain't that the truth? I, I will. <laughs> I'm also realizing who my friends are or who I want my friends to be. 
and I say that lovingly, as in, who am I most drawn to? Who am I, who am I most interested in connecting to and staying connected with? That's what I mean by that. And that's interesting, right? It's been beautiful. I've gotten to reconnect and get deeper with a lot of friends. Long, long, long time sitting on the phone or FaceTiming. That's what I've been trying to use a lot of my downtime for. Fun, friendship, rest. Uh, question tonight is, what is something 2020 has taught you so far? Someone said, leave the relationship sooner. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's okay to leave a relationship. Not all relationships are meant to be long-term. Doesn't mean it failed. If you were good to each other, that's all that matters. Leave lovingly. Someone else said, focus on discovering new hobbies and a new therapist. Bam! I don't know what the therapist part's about, but I'm glad you're taking care of yourself. Some therapists aren't right for everyone. Someone can be a great therapist. That doesn't mean they can work with everyone. I can't work with everyone. There's certain people where, for a multitude of reasons, we're not gonna be a good match because I'm still a person, you know? So good. Look for someone who can meet your needs. I'm all about that. I like that you're in therapy still right now. Also, focusing on new hobbies, great. Love that. That's been interesting and fun for me as well, so I'm glad you're doing that too. Uh, someone else said... Question night 2020, what's it taught you? Someone said, don't believe him when he says he wants to have a serious relationship with you. In all caps, dump him. I'm sorry that that's what's had to come out of this. I feel bad for those that have had to have darker, sadder, you know, more disappointing realizations about people in their lives, even maybe about themselves or their career or someone that they trusted. Dump him. Well, I hope you did. <laughs> it's all in caps. So that you learned, you handled it. But look back and say, what do I want to learn from that? Who do I want to make sure I am again in my next relationship? Who was I in this relationship that I want to make sure I'm not again, right? That's the beautiful part of ending a relationship is looking back and saying, who do I want to be again? Who do I not want to be again? What do I want to take forward? What do I not want to take forward with me? Question of the night, 2020, what's it taught you? Someone said, start saving your money. So when the virus hits, you can work from home in the Bahamas. I know, I'm all about that. <laughs> Those people that are like flown away and are on an island, love it. Well, well done. Someone else said, buy hand sanitizer and toilet paper now. Trust me. Ah, so you're all kind of doing the whole thing like where are we to do it again? Yeah. Um, yes, you got to load up. <laughs> and uh, question night, what is something 2020 has taught you so far? Someone said, stay longer out at bars and order more drinks. You won't be doing that for a while. I know. Isn't that interesting? We, uh, we were just having fun, thinking things are always going to be there, right? We, we just trusted that nothing was going to happen that was going to remove access to certain things. We take things for granted, you know? We, that's just human nature. You get familiar with things. They become consistent, pattern, habits. We don't necessarily always see the value in them, you know? In times like this, you're really reminded of the value and importance of some of those small, small things like seeing friends, being able to go out for drinks, having access to all sorts of stuff that right now we're not having access to. There's a freaking tempeh shortage. All my vegan and vegetarians are like, I know. At least here in California, tempeh shortage. Can't find it anywhere. <laughs> it's, not a bum, it's a big bummer on me. It's, I'm a big fan of that stuff. For those that aren't familiar with it, it's, you know, you got to learn how to cook it because it's a little funky. It's not very familiar to people that aren't vegan or vegetarian, but I've been familiar with it for a while. It's good stuff. Good for you. Tons of fiber, tons of protein. Not mad at it. Good stuff. All right, y'all. Thanks to those that participated. Question of the night is back up again, though. So uh, weigh in on the new one. That's in our Loveline IG page in the stories. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. Two minutes. Back in two minutes. Got that two-minute promise. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore it with confidence. Here we go. This question says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Alicia and I'm 18. I'm about to be 19. I say this about my age because I've been doing OnlyFans, ah, there it is, since the start of the pandemic to make money. I was a server, 
but I got let go because the restaurant closed down. I live at home, and since my parents found out about OnlyFans, they literally took the door off of my room. I never posted nudes, but even if I wanted to, I'm 18. They just make me feel like doing this is a bad thing, but I've never felt more empowered in my life. I know I'm young. How can I explain this to them? Eh, you kind of can't. It's a generational difference. Uh, I know different generations still shame sex work. They shame the sexual body. They shame general bodies. You know, you're putting on weight. You're too skinny. Like that's old school for parents to think they need to weigh in on those things. We now know. Don't talk about your child's body. Uh, we want to be body neutral. How you feel. Great. Go with that, right? Uh, making people feel more empowered around their sexuality, female sexual empowerment. But yeah, your parents, look, they know that things last forever. When you're, when you're a teenager and you're younger, you're not always good at thinking ahead, right? Knowing what's to come and what might hold you back. I was talking, unfortunately, about someone on a reality show, this happens all the time, who had done uh, porn, he's hetero, he had done gay porn, and we think that might have gotten him boot off, boot off the show. So unfortunately, we still do live in a culture where... Uh, someone being sexually confident and empowered can work against them in future careers or even relationships. Some people will slut shame people based on the kind of sex they had or the job they did or the job they do. I work with people whose partners know that they are doing sex work or sex workers, strippers, dancers, OnlyFans, and they enter and then they start shaming them for it. So yeah, your parents are looking out for you. They're doing the best they can. Um, we're making a better world where doctors, nurses, and general individuals can have had a sex work history and still be seen as legit. But I still see stories of teachers getting fired, politicians having to explain themselves. And that's a bummer because we should treat people based on their integrity and their value system and what kind of person they are. And whether or not they use their body or sexuality to make money on camera shh, is not part of that. If they're a good person, treat them well, right? Even if they're a bad person, that means they need more care and compassion around them. So yeah, it's that it's that dual thing where in their generation that didn't go well and they're worried for you, they're trying to look out for you and they want you to be very thoughtful. So I don't know that you're ever gonna make it make sense to them. It's very foreign to them. They have no familiarity with it. And I also am reminding people that I, I want sex work to be a viable option for people, but it can't be for everyone because not everyone's built for it and the world isn't always accommodating and welcoming. So it's a choice you have to, you have to really make for yourself because that often lasts forever and can come back to haunt you at times you're not interested in. So you have to make a firm commitment. And so always make decisions like that from a very confident, solid place, acknowledging that I don't know how this will impact me in my future, but I'm willing to deal with and show up to whatever that is, you know, but they're not going to get it. And I know you're 18. Um, so you got to hang in there. If you're living at home, they get to kind of assert some of those levels of power, which I don't like. I don't like the assertion of power. I think it should always be horizontal. It should be a conversation. Your rights should be, matter. What makes sense to you should matter. Your parents are par parenting from an old style. They're asserting control versus you know giving advice and letting you decide for yourself, which is what I prefer. That's empowerment-based. You know, It's not traumatic, um, but that's kind of where it's at. So unfortunately, there's no way to make them understand other than constantly educating themselves, they're coming from their perspective. So it might be something you either have to do differently or do again once you're living on your own or find ways to still do it while you're at home because you are 18. So that's where that lands. Sign the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore with confidence. That's our show. All Loveline episodes are podcasted over at wearechannelq.com, but we'll be back tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Love on IG page, so weigh in on that. And before we go, I want to remind you, register to vote. Make sure you're still registered. I found out I wasn't. I had to register again. And text or email that link to others so they can register. Check in on everyone. Are you registered? Are you registered? Send it. It takes minutes. And then when you get that mail-in ballot, bam, flip it around, send it back, and you can track it. You can track it. 
There is online sites for every local area where you can track that it was received. You can track where it is. So do that. Make sure your vote counts. Make sure your vote matters. And uh, thanks for hanging out with me, you guys. Focus on some self-care. Send you all love. Hope you all have a good rest of your night.